This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Today it's about climate, refugee girls, as well as the girl child in Africa. Welcome to Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs. And for the next hour, we're going to be talking about some very, very important realities happening in Kenya among the girls that are being served by an incredible organization called She Saves a Nation. Now, She Saves a Nation is an organization that is working with refugee girls across different continents, as well as marginalized girls and women and we're going to be talking about the impact of the climate the famine we see in Kenya what is happening the struggles of the girls that are living as internally displaced people what that really means and also we're going to be really touching on and highlighting how we and what we can be caring about as Christians when we look at the world when we look at the earth when we look at the continent of Africa and we know that sometimes people go well We have so many problems in our own backyard. Why should we focus on what's happening cross-continentally? Why should we look at our borders across there? But actually, we are part of a global family. We are part of more than just ourselves. And yes, we can be looking at what we can be doing locally and internationally. And so joining me today from the organization is the founder, Kanita Rutley, who is an incredible woman who has been on mission for a very, very long time. She's a missionary pursuing her PhD in missiology, and she is the founder of She Saves a Nation. She's also an incredibly passionate worship singer. She is a leader and been in many different forms of leadership and also is a speaker at many conferences and just has a real heart for women and especially the girl child in Africa. And I'm also joined by board member of She Saves a Nation, Emily Janssen. Now, Emily is an author. She's also into marketing, branding, and also is a global citizen at heart. She resides in Texas today, and she has been a volunteer in both Kenya and Korea on professional and voluntary assignments. And she's very, very passionate about empowering women to embrace their story. She's an author, and she was recently in Kenya working with girls and you know really inspiring them to have a dream and while she was there inspiring young girls to have a dream she realized and noticed something that really was kind of revelationary in how we can inspire girls to dream but again looking at what their lives actually look like and why to us we can say hey let's let's dream big and let's have dreams but it actually looks very different to you know depending on where you go and to many many different people in many different places and so it's going to be a great show today i'm really really looking forward to it so stay tuned with me for the next hour it's going to be great and may our hearts be stirred to think Uh, you know about life from a mission perspective but also about a godly care perspective so Kanita and Emily are with me after this Kanita and Emily it is so good to have you both with me today 
it is truly a privilege because of course you're both just phenomenal and I love you both. But before we get into our conversation, touching on something that's really important, girls in Africa, particularly Kenya, we're talking about refugee girls. We're going to be talking about climate change, all of the most important issues that we need to be talking about before we get into that. Kenita and Emily, welcome to Voice of Change today. I hope that you're both doing well. Mm, So honored to be here, Lauren. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Now, both of you have actually been on the show before, but long ago and both for different things. Emily, we were talking about your book and Kenita, we were talking about girls back in 2019, I think we were talking about serving girls in Africa. Can you remember that was like three years ago? I can't believe it. And we spoke about She Saves a Nation right back then, three years ago, but so much has changed, so much has grown and developed for the organization that you founded. So tell us a bit about what does She Saves a Nation actually do for listeners who maybe weren't with us three years ago, weren't plugged in or tuned in at that stage. So much has happened. This organization is incredible. Tell us a bit about it. Absolutely. So She Saves a Nation, it exists to empower refugee, marginalized, and displaced girls, uh, and now women, to become leaders who will change their nation and the world. And so since we last uh, spoke during our interview, which was powerful, uh, we've expanded tremendously in our programming. Uh, We try to be very strategic in how we uh, implement programming that will be transformational, that will provide sustainable change uh, among our communities of impact. And so we started, our headquarters is in Kenya, uh, which is like a second home to me. Uh, But because of the need of, uh, you know, this this need to empower women and girls globally because of the social challenges, the economic challenges that they deal with, we underst- we com- came to understand that there were greater needs in other places as well. And so we expanded to Uganda and Thailand, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that there were girls in those countries living in abject poverty. In Thailand, we encountered girls who were Myanmar refugees who were uh, starting uh, literally from scratch uh, in their lives, just desiring to get an education and wanting to uh, live out their fullest potential. And so we implemented uh, several programs, one being our Fearless Girl uh, campaign, which Mm -hmm. is uh, what She Saves a Nation was uh, uh, founded to do. That was our initial initiative Uh, And that was to provide feminine care, hygiene products, menstrual uh, menstrual education, uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, just these basic necessities uh, that our girls needed. They also needed uh, underwear, soap, uh, things like that. And and from providing that need, that literally shifted the trajectory of our girls' education and their lives, their confidence boosted, their grades boosted. They began to excel even beyond uh, their male counterparts. And so we saw this successful trend and said, this needs to be a more robust program. And so we expanded to trauma healing uh, ministry. 
to help the girls overcome generational trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. We expanded to uh, a Dadayangu scholarship. Dadayangu means she is my sister in Swahili. And so we're using that program to empower these girls educationally through scholarships and partnering with them and uh, not sponsoring them per se. We're kind of yeah. careful with that language because mm-hmm. we're not giving handouts, we're giving hand ups. You know, these are girls who are very competent and capable and wise Mm. and intelligent, and we learn from them. And so we just want to partner with them uh, to give them access to things that we have had access to. Um, And so we've been focusing on that. And then we're going to be uh, launching, which I know we'll talk more about, uh, is an expansion to our Jaza Kikapu food drive, which Uh, We started during the pandemic because Mm -hmm. uh, as a result of that happening, we saw that there was a a great uh, degree of hunger and famine uh, in Kenya and throughout the Horn of Africa. And so we Mm -hmm. started with that and didn't realize that it was going to get even worse and that this need was going to grow even more. And so we've grown tremendously to meet the needs of our girls, but we also decided that We want to focus on the women as well, the mothers of these girls who some Mm. of them are illiterate, some of them have no vocation or skills that they've been able to develop. And so we're going to launch a women's entrepreneurship initiative that will empower them to have their own lane uh, and their own expertise for for uh, through microfinance, uh, basic literacy skills. Uh, and then also we're going to continue to equip our girls through a global leadership academy. I know that was a mouthful, but we're doing <laughs> a lot. All of that to yes. say we're doing so much. We have so much vision uh, for the future to really bring transformation in Kenya and our uh, other countries that we serve. And we're excited about mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I love everything that you've been sharing. And it's so exciting. And and it's so empowering, Kenita, and it's so beautiful because obviously I've been watching the journey as well and just seeing everything that's been happening. And I love that you have also been, the organization has also been adaptable in that witnessing what was happening with COVID and going, hey, you know, we actually need to do something with the, a food drive because this is a reality. And we are going to touch on that as well, because we are seeing, you know, famine in Kenya, we are seeing this reality and how it is affecting people. We're going to touch on that a bit later on the show as well. And I actually wanted to ask you, you know, what is a typical day if we just talk about Kenya, because I know the organization works across three different countries. But if we just talk about Kenya, just Mm -hmm. to bring the listeners in, sometimes people go, hey, I've actually never been on a missions trip or I've never been, you know, to somewhere where we're talking about refugee girls. People have very much a perception of what that looks like, right? Like what a refugee looks like or what they're doing in a day. And sometimes it's actually very different from what we think. So what does a typical day look like in the life of one of the girls that you serve? You know, when they get up in the morning, what do they get up to? Are they going to school? How do they live their daily lives? Yeah, so this has evolved over time. And let me just give context to listeners Firstly, when we talk about refugees in this particular context, we are referring to internally displaced peoples. And so these are Kenyans that were displaced in Kenya. Uh, They, not like a lot of refugees in the world, uh, which there are over 70 million now uh, living in displacement, where they go from one country to another to find refuge. 
these are uh, individuals who have been displaced within their own country, pushed out of their homes as a result of political uh, and tribal clashes and civil unrest. And so some of our girls were born into this displacement. Uh, it was their mothers wow. who had been pushed out of their homes. Their lives were threatened. Homes were invaded. Relatives murdered. I mean, these clashes that took place in Kenya uh, were just so devastating to the nation as a whole. And they're just celebrating uh, a recent election of President Ruto, which is really exciting because there was a dispute in this election, but it did not result in violence. And so that's a huge wow. accomplishment to where uh, things have evolved to. And so back in that time when She Saves a Nation was just an idea, it was just getting ready to start, uh, the girls were living in a, a displacement camp or a refugee mm-hmm. camp, uh, restarting their lives in central Kenya a few hours away from where they initially lived. And so um, back then they only had, they were living in tents with no running water. And Mm. so you talk about looking at a day from then to now, uh, a lot of development, even though there's so much more to be done, has taken place. And so now there are schools that are existing on these uh, internal displacement camps. They don't call it an IDP camp anymore. Our headquarters uh, uh, in Kenya is now called the city of Shalom. They named mm-hmm. it something to represent a, a, a place of peace, a place to, uh, you know, be reborn, a place to start again. Um, And so now our girls, they they do their outright best to live a typical day uh, that anyone would live, of course, absent from a lot of the uh, amenities and things that we have in Western culture. And Mm. so our girls, they get up, they prepare for school, they, they, they spend an entire day in school, getting their education. Um, And there are some things that present themselves as challenges to whether or not they ever make it to school. And so Mm. one of those challenges, which is why She Saves a Nation exists, is to empower them as leaders and fight against the things that keep them from being leaders, like sexual exploitation, like early childhood marriage, like mm. female genital mutilation. Uh, we have two campuses in Kenya, one in Lakipia County and one in Samburu County. The Samburu tribe is still known for female genital mutilation. Mm. And so the girls do their outright best to make it to school. Here in Western culture, typically, if you get up and get ready for school, you're going to make it there. Yeah. Well, in Kenyan culture, in these areas that we serve, if a girl is being held back because of uh, you know, issues related to a patriarchal culture, if a girl is being raped, um, and at one point, if a girl is on her menstrual cycle, before we were providing these products, they would never even make it to school. And so they would spend mm-hmm. the day at home and there's not much for them to do there. You know, they don't yeah. here, we got a ton of stuff to distract us, right. Mm-hmm. And keep us, you know, preoccupied but they don't have TVs and iPads and iPhones. So they help their families. And for some who don't, you know, continue on with their education, they end up trying to find some um, means of work to help support their families. And that could be something as, you know, um, you know, just as minute as selling handbags. 
uh, to people yeah. in the local city, you know, square. And so these are some of the challenges that they are up against. And so um, one of the things I wanted to mention as well is that Samburu is a pastoral nomadic tribe. And so they mm-hmm. move where there's food. And so um, it's not uncommon to see a girl who is 14 years of age in the second grade because wow. she has been going where there is provision and nurturing of food. And mm-hmm. so our growth education is so essential to what they do because it's the place where they have identity and purpose and activity outside of that. They're just living yeah. with their families. They are going to places of worship. They go to church um, um, for some of them, and uh, they are involved in activities that are related to helping their families continue to survive. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's just a great need for them to continue to be empowered so that they can have the tools to thrive in their lives and not merely survive. Mm. Wow, this is incredible. Like you've been saying as well, that the way that life looks does evolve, right? The way that it started out a few years yeah. ago to how it is now is is different. And it's so interesting and such a an important reminder that life for us in the Western world, even in South Africa as well, you know, we can sit on our sofa and watch Netflix when we feel like it. And, you know, we can do whatever. <laughs> it's it's right. not the reality for everybody, right? It's not, it's not the way that life is for, for everybody and definitely not for our goals. And when we talk about Africa, us sitting here in South Africa, we are on this continent and we have our girls, and we talk about the girl child so much, but we have girls not only in South Africa, but throughout Africa that have huge hurdles that they have to overcome, even like you've been sharing with us to get education, even to be educated, something that I know that sometimes we kind of just take for granted, be like, hey, I go to school. You know, there was never a question about it in in my mind or most of the people that I know, whether they were going to go to school or not, there was no hindrances or nothing. But this is not everybody's reality. And and it's so important that you've reminded us about that today because that's going to lead me to something that we're going to talk about as well on the show today. Why should this impact us? You know, and it's important even to reflect on that. Why? Why even as we sit talking about this, should we care? Why is it important to us as Christians to hear that this is what is happening in our world today? And not only in our world, but among our Christian brothers and sisters, among Christians, among the girl child, among Africans in the continent where we live. And I want to take a short music break to allow you, the listener, just to reflect on that and to ask yourself, how much do I care about what is happening around me? How how much do I care about what other people are going through right now? And even the girls that are served by Kanita and Emily, by She Saves a Nation, where should my heart be when it comes to caring for others? So we're going to take a really quick music break, but I don't want you to go anywhere because Emily has just returned from visiting the girls in Kenya and she's going to be sharing with us all about that trip, what she got up to as well as what, you know, is really happening on the ground, what the girls are facing as well. So stay tuned. It's coming up after this. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs, here on Voice of Change today. If you're just joining, welcome to the show. And I'm joined by Emily and Kenita. And we've been talking about the organization that Kenita founded called She Saves a Nation, serving refugee girls as well as marginalized girls and women out in Kenya, Uganda, as well as Thailand. Now, Emily, 
it's so good to have you with me. And, you know, I know that you have just returned from serving in Kenya in September this year. Whoop, whoop. And I know that, you know, you were really the the lady that was leading the team there, Kanita. You know, Kanita's had an incredible year of getting married this last year in her life and just, you know, doing her PhD and everything happening. And Emily, you went with the team and just got down serving. Tell us a bit about how this was, you know, what did you encounter when you were in Kenya? I know that you've served in Kenya before, so it wasn't new to you to go there, but particularly with the girls that She Saves Nation serves. Tell us a bit about this because I know that it was quite an impactful trip. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'll just note that it was it was definitely the Holy Spirit leading the the uh, the trip. We uh, certainly had some interesting moments with rain and mud and cars getting stuck and all of the things that define <laughs> TIA. This is Africa. <laughs> so we certainly had fun. Um, you know, the, the trip was really amazing because I had the privilege of being there for close to two weeks, which for mm-hmm. those listening between jet lag and getting on the ground, sometimes missions trips, as you all know, can be fast and furious. It feels like you, you know, you're just getting on the ground and then you're leaving. And so I was really able to settle in and um, just relax and, and go along for the journey. And I think it gave us all a lot of time to process what was happening and to refine our program day by day. And, and so I think, you know, just being there was really eye-opening for a few reasons. One, we had been in a position where you're sort of looking at what's going on in the greater context of of Kenya, its election, mm-hmm. uh, local politics, obviously climate change, the hunger crisis, the worst drought in 40 years. There was a lot of very macro level things happening. And mm-hmm. I think that in the context of all of those geopolitical, uh, you know, climate based um, global events, we found there to just be some surprises along the way. I mean, some of these girls hadn't had rice and beans for lunch in months. We served rice and beans to one of our primary schools one day. And the girls walked up to me and said, is there enough for seconds? And just to see the look of literal hunger in their eyes was was astounding. Um, you know, I think we, we often think that these these children, these young women are fed and ready to have energy to learn and to sit in the classroom and learn. And here they were and just like their most basic need for energy to empower and fuel their learning and their education to feed their brain was was in lack. And so here we were trying to educate these girls on their dreams and how to dream and, you know, okay, you want to be a neurosurgeon. How do we help empower you towards that? Do you have the right books? Do you have the right, you know, hygiene products? Do you have the right understanding of what it is to be a woman? And all of those things in a way became, became secondary to, to what is primary right now, which is to feed them and to help them meet their most basic needs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, another thing I found to be really interesting, you know, it's it's nothing new under the sun, but it always astounds me when, um, you know, certain girls who are, are very, very far away from local towns, they're at the, you know, close to the Ethiopian border in the Samburu County, 
you know, these girls don't even know what ice cream is. They, they don't mm. even know. Some of these girls don't even know basic things that you might expect them to just know. Mm. And so, you know, when you're having a conversation being translated from English to Swahili or to their local dialect, you have to remember that that we're we're talking about very simple concepts that that to us feel feel like baby food. And mm-hmm. and so I'm just continually reminded that one of the reasons why it's so important to have these experiences is that you forget how rich we are in knowledge. Mm-hmm. And not just money, not just food, but how rich mm. we are in 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 actual literal knowledge, not street mm. street smart knowledge, book That's... knowledge, community knowledge. I mean, these girls are are poor. When you talk about being poor in spirit, they they are poor in in just knowledge. And so, mm. um, you know, that really stood out to me. And I think the third thing that stood out to me being there was just the 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 disparity in supply chain right now, you know, one minute someone is selling South African blueberries to you at the top of Kajabi Hill imported from Naivasha Valley. And, you know, they're offering you these like luscious, beautiful blueberries that are from the local Naivasha County. And then the next minute, you know, we're serving bread and milk and rice and beans to these primary schools where for them to even get things like, like, you know, feminine hygiene products, rice and beans, basic notebooks, basic pens. There was a moment where I was talking to the girls about their dreams and I asked them all to write down what their dream was. And Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed because I, I realized that as I was looking around the room, the girls had to share their pens across a hundred girls sitting in the room. They, one of the girls, I said, did you write down your dream? And she said, I don't have a pen. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about just supply chain and mm-hmm. access and the ability to get resources, whether it's food or a pen and pencil or chalk or a backpack or tampons, right? It, there is there is such a basic fundamental need just, just for these girls to have access to things. Mm. Wow, Emily, thank you so much for sharing that as well. Such an such an important such an important point that you're raising here. You know, I'm sitting reflecting on this. I think Kanita, you and I are probably even though you've been there and we've both been on the mission field, yeah. every time you go on the mission field, it's not really the mission field. I don't even like to call it that. It's just yeah. walking with someone else. It's just mm-hmm. going to visit someone else, going to, yes. you know, just connecting with, with another girl or a woman and just being there, holding space, being part of their story, being part of their life for that moment. Mm-hmm. And climate change is something that we see affecting Africa. We cannot deny, a lot of people do deny climate change, I almost feel like we can't deny the reality of climate change because we see what is happening. Even here in Cape Town, when we had that terrible drought for years, where they would just switch our water off for days, we had no running water because water was scarce. It's not a renewable source. Uh, We see this happening, particularly we see famine in Kenya. Now, how has this affected the girls 
in the spaces where you serve? How, how have you been seeing them being affected? Yeah, well, one thing just to kind of speak to the, the very discouraging reality that people deny climate change as as believers, people who are mm-hmm. Christians and have faith in Jesus Christ. Um, this connects to the divine framework that was established even from the garden that we were given dominion and stewardship yeah. over the yeah. earth. And it's evident that in the fall of man, in our disobedience, in our desire to have power, in our desire to have things, um, we disregarded uh, the the sacredness of this assignment to steward the earth. And we're experiencing the ramifications of that. And now we bring that to present day. We didn't understand that when we started our food drive, in Kenya, which extends now to Uganda, Mm -hmm. that we were responding to a need that was going to be ongoing. And so we realized that during the pandemic, for obvious reasons, the world was shut down. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to provide food for that reason. And then we realized that the impacts of climate change, in addition to this ongoing war in Ukraine with prices now for resources Mm -hmm. that are soaring. And then you have the climate change impacting uh, natural resources. There's been a challenge that has, you know, led Kenya to be in the worst famine that it's experienced in drought in 40 years. Mm -hmm. And so what that looks like for us now is we're trying to, you know, just, pour out resources in abundance over our, uh, you know, spheres of impact and ministry in the Horn of Africa, because it is essential. I would just got an update from our board chair and our COO there in Kenya, uh, Pastor Mugo, that some of the children were passing out from hunger. And so, and then Mm -hmm. not only that, some of the children weren't even showing up to school, Uh, because of hunger. And so how can we expect for a student to operate at their greatest level of, uh, you know, um, success and, uh, you know, academic, uh, just, you know, just empowerment? How can we expect them to be at their best if they can't even think straight because Mm -hmm. they're hungry? Um, and so this has been a, a tremendous burden on my heart and all of our hearts as board members and the organization She Saves the Nation. And we're really trying to make this a tangible message for people who may not be experiencing that because your refrigerator yeah. is full. Yeah. And even in our context, a struggle for us is not nearly the kind of struggle it is for them. Mm-hmm. And so there's a challenge with them not having enough food there at the school's you know, families making less than a dollar a day, they already were struggling to feed their families. And then Mm. you talk about, like I said, with Samburu, this pastoral nomadic tribe where they already migrate to where there's food. And so if the ground is not bringing forth the food, then there's starvation. And so you have cattle that are dying and, you know, Mm. there's drought and there's just such a great need and our hearts are just completely burdened. And so we wanted to allow this to, you know, 
be the 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 issue that takes the helm of our Giving Tuesday campaign that we recently did. Like we need to feed our girls, as Emily mm. mentioned. You know, we want to do all these other things for them through our programming, but if we can't even meet that basic need, we we can't see a girl become a leader if she starves to death. Um, mm. So we want to be very focused on this issue. And, and my desire, my prayer is that the church would awaken, the global church would be would be awakened and that they would be alive to the unfinished task of the Great Commission, because you would not be disconnected from what's happening in the world and mm. how that connects to those who are most vulnerable. And so to deny something like climate change is to deny the realities of those who Jesus came to seek and to save, those who are not only lost, but those who are marginalized and vulnerable and at risk. Those are the ones he caused us to be the hands and feet for. And so we don't want to live in a contradictory you know, position as believers in this mm-hmm. way. Uh, but there is a great work to do because we see it for ourselves and we serve this very uh, cause so that lives Mm. can be transformed. Mm. And Emily, you know, speaking, you know, Kanita, you're talking about Giving Tuesday, which we don't really have here in South Africa, but the point is, you know, as, as Christians, we need to know that we need to give. And that's not a prosperity teaching. It's not a nothing. It's about, right. it's about serving. And it's not saying, you know, give so you can receive, give, you know, the word of God says, God loves a cheerful giver, someone that gives because you're doing it from your heart. It's a joy. And Emily, you know, I can't believe that our time is almost up. We have like such a short space of time left, but I wanted to ask you, you know, in, in like a minute, if you could just sum up the challenge to Christians to care, to care for other people and to care about what is happening, even among the girls that we're talking about today, the big challenge, why should Christians care? What would your message be to people listening as to why they should? That's such a big, big nugget to get through in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a couple of thoughts. Um, I think it's really important to remember that for some of us, we may feel called to support local mission more than global. Neither mm-hmm. one is more noble than the other. Mm-hmm. I used to think as a small, you know, 23 year old going off to Kenya, like, oh, it's so much more noble to be overseas and to, to be in global ministry. And, and I just mm-hmm. want to reiterate that loving your neighbor is local and global. And I think it's important to remember that wherever, wherever God has called you to give, to serve your time, your resources, your talent, your money, all of those things, everyone needs to be asking the Holy spirit, where have you called me to focus Mm -hmm. my resources? So I would never say to someone, you know, it's more noble to give globally than it is locally. That being Mm -hmm. said to Kanita's point, there is a co-creation process happening in the world. What used to just be local national issues is no longer local and national. It is global. The world is flat, as Thomas Friedman wrote. And I think <laughs> what we need to be reflecting on is, is that these girls are the future generation and the future leaders of Kenya in 20 years. They, they know mm. their land. They know their mm. culture. They know their cultural needs. They know what 
what Kenyan needs at the most basic level because they're, you know, seventh generation Kenyans who have lived there forever, Ugandans, yeah. right? They know their country, they will lead their country. Mm-hmm. And so why are we investing in them? Why should you invest in them? Because we want transformation to occur from the inside out. We mm-hmm. have often come in from the outside in and for better or for worse have, have at times created, um, created systems with it that are not necessarily sustainable. So our mission at She Saves a Nation is to really help empower from the inside out because that is transformational, that is mm. sustainable, and that equips and empowers them to transform their own country from the inside out. And, and that's why it's important to give because what is happening in Kenya in climate, sustainability, leadership, politics, that will affect America that will that is affecting the world that is affecting the rest of society and I and I just think that there is such a beautiful partnership that can occur when we empower local communities and entrepreneurs to to help transform their own communities um, in the way that makes sense to them um, and in a way that really resonates and and feels right to them so we we hope you do consider a gift to She Saves a Nation, and um, we are just so humbled to be able to steward those resources. Hmm. Emily and Kanita, I want to say thank you both for being with me today. It's been such a, a blessing, such a great time with you both, and also just taking us into this reality. Kanita, in closing, what are the social media handles? How can people connect? You know, if they want to hear more, if they want to see the pictures of the girls that you serve, because they are on Instagram with their permission and they are out there. What are those handles that they can go on over and connect with? And we just want to say, likewise, it was just an honor to be here and just having this dialogue with you, Lauren. You are amazing for so many reasons. Uh, But to (laughs) follow She Saves a Nation, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all under at She Saves a Nation. Our website is uh, shesavesanation.org. And stay tuned, sit tight, because we are going to be revamping our website and very excited about providing a much more interactive experience so you can really get a tangible uh, sense of what our girls are experiencing and how you can come alongside us in this mission. Mm, amen and amen. You have all the details there, fellow listener. So go on over and check out those social media handles and follow along and, you know, just share impact support and be part of the journey to you both. Thank you so, so much. May God bless you and all the work of She Saves a Nation. And until I will have you on again next time to both of you, take care and God bless. God bless us. I'm always inspired by individuals who are living a passionate purpose throughout our world and who are always saying, yes, God, here I am, use me. And, you know, often that doesn't look like having to possibly maybe give money or, you know, it just sometimes can look like giving of your time or giving of yourself. Or sometimes it looks like giving of your praise. And many times we are reminded and we need the reminder that our prayers are important. As I think about the stories that I've heard today that Kenita and Emily have been sharing with me, I think about how incredibly 
hard it must be for girls to go to school and actually pass out in their chairs while they are trying just to attend school and get an education. They are there because they want to be there. But it is such a difficult challenge and reality when you don't have food, when famine is around, when poverty is your reality. And so today, let us join together and let us pray that God will bless the workers who are working in the field, that God will bless the organizations called and raised up by him to really be able to sow goodness into the ground where they have been called to sow. And may we pray blessings over the many missionaries, short-term and long-term missionaries who are raising support and who are going to be the hands and feet of God, wherever he is calling them to. And may we live a missional life. And yes, we are reminded that our mission is around us every single day. It is where we live and it is also the global body of Christ of which we are a part. So may we have hearts stirred to care, care for others and be part of the change that we want to see. It's always not just about speaking about change, but it's about making the change and being the change that we want to see in this world. Faith without works is dead faith, but we show our faith by our works and our works say that we care about the poor, we care about the oppressed, we care about the orphan, we intercede and we are good also to the stranger and the foreigner among us and that includes the refugee so may we not forget that God has called us to that highest calling throughout his word he tells us time and time again to love the stranger to love our neighbor but to care as well for the orphan the widow and the oppressed to speak up for justice and to take care of those around us that is the high calling that we have it's been so good to be with you today on voice of change may god bless you may he keep you and may he make his incredible face to shine upon you it's been so good to be here today as we celebrate 10 years of being on the air as cape pulpit today is our 10 year anniversary and wow what a great privilege it is years to 10 more 50 more 100 more years together amen and god bless until next time take care this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m please visit kpulpit.co.za